Hey there, stranger. I'm your host, Grace, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Strangers. This episode, you're in for a treat because we're giving you double the goodness. For this episode, we speak to not one, but two girls, Rachel and Avani, who are both third culture kids. What does that even mean? Well, if you don't know what a third culture kid is or have never heard of the term, you're going to learn a lot about it in this episode. Not only do they not resonate with their native ethnicity, but these girls have subconsciously developed their own culture that has been molded and shaped through the assimilation of cultures they've been exposed to over the years of living abroad. Both Rachel and Avani have something in common besides being third culture kids. They've actually never lived in their birthplace for more than a year. In fact, they've moved around different continents growing up and after many moves, have somehow found their way here in Malaysia. While one of them finds this country home, another is looking to head west for another chapter in her life. We first sit down with Rachel, who at first impressions would register as a Brit, but upon learning more about her, besides the obvious accent, she does not relate to British culture at all. If anything, she proudly identifies with local Malaysian culture more than anything. Pretty sure they ask like where you're from, where you live, and all of that. How many times have you got to explain yourself? Honestly, I've given up. Like it's just such a long story. It's like explaining where you're born, then where you grew up, and then where you were raised and all that is so hard so I just say I was grew up I was born in Oman grew up in Holland raised in Malaysia moved to the UK moved back to Malaysia it's just like one basic but I remember the most interesting thing that you told me back then um, is that you've never actually lived in the UK yeah yeah even though you're clearly red um yeah my dad works for like in the oil and gas stuff so he got to move quite a lot so he moved to Oman, so to the Middle East, when my brother was 10 months old, so that was probably 1991, I think, and then they were there for four years, and then moved to Holland, so, yeah, it's just, I've been quite lucky, to be honest. What do you mean by that? Well, my family as well is also, like, spread all over the world, so my aunt is in New Zealand now, but she used to live in South Africa, and my grandma lives in Spain, so... When I was growing up, I went to South Africa six times, like it was like a yearly trip. So every year I got to go on like safari and see all these amazing animals and stuff. So it's quite the privileged life so far. <laughs> wow, so your your family's pretty much scattered all over the world. Pretty much, yeah. But, but that does sound like a privilege. Man, yeah. so jealous. It's great. But being great and not and haven't, you've never really lived in the UK, except for the time when you did your final year in uni and you did a uh, year in Bristol, Yeah. right? Yeah. And how was that? Being in Bristol? Yeah. Um, cold. Very, very cold. I just, everyone is so different. Like, it's not a culture that I'm used to, because I'm used to, like, in Malaysia, everyone, like, you have... Indian, Chinese, Malay, and then I went to international schools, so there's like people just from everywhere, right. whereas in the UK, everyone's from the UK, it's quite boring, like if you ask someone where they're from, they can specifically say, oh my mum is from 
Bristol and my dad is from Brighton or I'm from Wales or whatever, but I can't say that. So it was, I felt very different and I don't know if I liked it or not. And it just, it wasn't the place for me, to be honest. That's, that's so ironic though, because <laughs> um, yeah. you don't identify the British culture. Yeah. And do you feel like an outsider there? Oh yeah, very much. Especially, there's quite a big, especially in university, there's like a big party thing. Like every night you go out and you get drunk and then go back. But I'm not like that. Like I'd rather go out during the day and do something kind of weird and then go home and sleep. That's me. But they're like, they go to uni, they don't even go to their classes. Like they don't go to their classes and then they just drink at night and then go to bed and then wake up at like 2 p.m. the next day. No, I came here to learn. So I'm gonna learn. So I think a lot of people do not understand what a Turk culture kid is. I've met a few Turk culture kids growing up yeah. and they're always quite shocked. They're like, you know what a Turk culture kid is? Yeah. I think because I grew up also in uh, international school. I went to international school as well and then I met a lot of people who are like, and it's always the, it's always the case. It's either the dad is working in oil and gas or um, is an ambassador for something. <laughs> yeah, working for the embassy, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. So what is a Turk culture kid to you? The definition, I don't know. <laughs> but it's kind of like a secret society, basically. That I swear people who are like third culture kids, they know what it is, but nobody else knows what it is. Right. So I think it's someone who you have a culture that you were raised in, so say your family's culture, then you have the culture that you're living in, so say Malaysian. Yes. But then you also have this kind of external culture that's sort of like quoted to be a third culture, but I'm not. How is that third culture defined though? Like, do you define it yourself? Is it shaped through your experiences? Me personally, it was something I was told. I was like told you're a third culture kid because you've done all this and you've done all that. But it's really difficult to explain as well. So, yeah, I don't know. So you started living in Oman. Oman, yeah. So I was born in Oman, but we left when I was only 10 months old. Oh, so you pretty much didn't even experience so that. So I don't even remember it. My mum keeps saying that she wants to take me back. Like she wants to me to sh- see where I was born and right. all this. Because I was literally the only white baby in the hospital. There was everybody else. Were they amazed? Like, oh my gosh, white yeah. baby. I think they didn't really know what to do, my mum said. They oh. were just quite shocked because I was such a different colour. So but you're just any other baby. Yeah. I guess with babies, like they're so sensitive and everything, so different colours like could mean like, diseases okay. and stuff. So right. I, I have no idea. But it was yeah. But it mm. turned out fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm alive so it's all good. <laughs> And then, so, 10 months later, you moved to Holland. Holland. Yeah. And how many years did you spend there? I was there for about 11 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you probably picked up a lot of their culture then. Yeah. It's very, very flat, Holland. Like, it's amazing because you can cycle literally everywhere. Like, you can cycle from one end of Holland to the other end. You could even cycle to Belgium if you wanted. Like, it's absolutely amazing. 
because it's all just like linked. Right. And the border is quite literally just a change of tiles. So one time we went to the edge of Holland with our bikes and we cycled around Belgium and then we went back and then went back home. And it only takes like half an hour to drive there. And then another time my parents, my parents love wine. Like they absolutely love wine. So we, we drove to France one day wow. to go and buy wine and drive back. And it's a bit insane when you think about it, but it was just, it's, everything's so close. So I kind of, I miss Holland in the sense like I had great friends there and it was home for as long years. as I could remember, yeah. <laughs> It's great. Most of your childhood was there. Yeah, exactly. How so, has that shaped you, though? Is there any bits of their culture that you still, you know, have in you? Um, probably. I just, they're quite short-tempered, Dutch oh. people. So, it's like, there's service. When it comes to, like, service and stuff, they're quite strict. Like, they're, here's your food, or... Here's your drink. What do you want? Kind of oh. attitude. So, Sounds like they were very stoic. Like, yeah. Really yeah. straightforward. Like, okay, this they, is how I am. It would be the worst thing to compare them, but they're very German. Okay. <laughs> like, wow. They're just very, like, it's, the same, it's a very similar mindset, right. but as cultures, it's very different. It's great. Yeah, I really like to learn. Is that how, is that something that you see in yourself, per se? Um, I'd say I'm a little bit more laid back. Right. than Dutch people but when it comes to getting things done I'm quite Dutch wow. like I kind of get things done at a certain time but yeah it's I really love living there it was amazing like you could just cycle to the cinema with your friends and then cycle home yeah I think they practice a really yeah. healthy like yeah. uh, lifestyle there yeah I mean when I was I, I was only in senior school there for a year and I cycled to school every day and it was like 11 kilometers, but it was fine. And then on the way back, I started, on the way to school, we started, I started picking up my friends. So I pick up one friend at his house and my other friend and my other friend. And then on the way back, we'd do the same thing, but I would stop at each person's house. So I was getting home later and later and later. And my mom was starting to, I didn't have a phone at the time. So my mom would like panic because I'd finished school at like, three o'clock or something and I wouldn't get home till five and it was only like a half an hour cycle so yeah I don't think it was good for her mentality but and so after Holland where do you move to? here I moved so, here okay so yeah. most of your high school days is spent in Malaysia full on Malaysian yeah wow yeah oops it was a big change yeah, how was it like moving from Holland to Malaysia? I was it? Do you experience a culture shock? Yeah, majorly. I was honestly, I was quite surprised. To be completely honest, when I first moved here, I didn't know I was going to like an international school. So I thought I was going to like where there'd be loads of Malaysian kids. Like a public school. Yeah, I was so scared I was going to be racist. <laughs> I was so scared I would say the wrong thing and someone would like get really offended because I, I don't want to offend people and like because you don't know the culture you don't know what people are sensitive to. Was it to. the first time you were surrounded by that many races as well? Um, honestly, yes. <laughs> it was never towards me like in my school they were quite against people from sort of the Middle East and everything and it 
Yeah, it was awful. Like, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone can be mean to someone based on the colour of their skin. But I think as it turned out, they were just finding excuses to be mean to people. Like, it wasn't the best school in my case. Where? Alice Smith. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's fine. How, how do you adapt the, to the whole change in, you know, the whole situation of moving here? Or even in school, for example? Um, honestly, I was so lucky. Like, the class that I went into, I made two great friends the first day I was there. My tutor, so my class teacher, was the nicest teacher in the whole school and just so supportive. And then my parents knew that me and my brother would find it quite difficult, but my brother, my brother found it harder than I did, but he's older. So I think it's kind of, when you're younger, you just kind of like go and do sport or you go and do whatever. And then that's just how you meet people. But when you're older, you don't have as much time like doing A-levels and everything. It's just a little bit harder, but I liked it. My first year there was great. Do you find it difficult bonding with the people here um, due to the different cultures and mindsets? Honestly, no. Because everyone is just so nice all the time. Like, it's very rare that you meet someone who's, like, outright just a horrible person. Like, no one's going to show that at first as well. So, everyone's been so nice. The hard thing I found is that when I go out with friends who are local and they have friends who are have like no international background at all they don't speak English right like they just the language barrier yeah so I, I can understand some Malay like I can't speak it to save my life like if <laughs> if I needed if there was an emergency and I had to speak Malay I think I'd die wait can you go to a mama and order something the same thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> the same thing you could yeah but it's right. my favorite thing so it's fine so what do you order all the time tail ice and roti chana <laughs> That's pretty good. You'll yeah. survive. You can't go wrong. <laughs> you can't go wrong. But yeah, so that that was hard. But yeah, I mean, my friends. I have a group of great friends now, so we all get on so well. And they talk Malay. And they're me. all local. Um, one is Singaporean Malaysian, and the others are Malaysian. But one of them just went back to America. But I think she's coming back soon, or she just came back. I'll see her soon. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of topic of conversation, yeah. has there ever been a time where you feel like you didn't fit in? Like it was you didn't understand the context of their conversation. I mean, just beyond the language barrier. I'm sure there are different yeah. things, different things that they talk about yeah. that you may not relate to. Um. Honestly, not so much. It's more when they talk about, like, the government or the policies, like, having to get your IC here or going to JPJ and stuff like that. That kind of stuff, I don't really get. But, no, everything else is absolutely fine. Like, everyone is the same. I think that's the thing. When people meet someone from a different country, they just expect them to be different. But in reality, they're just people. Like, people are people. Like, you have good people and you have bad people. And then that's as difficult as it gets. So I just... People seem to overcomplicate things, I think. But it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> I like it here. So you've stayed here in Malaysia for... My family has been here 10 years now. This year. Right. Oh, it's been a decade. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a long time. And very long time. 
do you see yourself being more Malaysian or do you still see yourself as your own identity? Um, my friends have a joke that I'm an inverted Oreo. So, I mean, what does that mean? Specifically, a golden Oreo. It's okay. quite racist, to be honest. Well, you are blonde. So. I am, yeah. So, I'm, you know, Asian on the inside, white on the outside. Wow. Okay. Because I'm just. I'm, I'm sure so there are a bit of. Um, a lot of Malaysian culture that has rubbed off on you. Probably. So, yeah. I, are you you're quite Malaysian, I suppose? I'm pretty Malaysian. I drive like a Malaysian. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I think that's Check. close enough. <laughs> Can order from a mama. Check. Yeah, exactly. That's the most important thing. It's, yeah, it's good. I like it here. Yeah. It's all good. Is Malaysia home then? Where is home here? Yeah, Malaysia's Malaysia. home. Yeah. I have my family here, my friends here, my horse here, which is always good. My dogs are here. Yeah, I mean, I've spent. Do you not aspire to go anywhere else to just, you know? Not really. I want to live in France one day just because I can't speak another language fluently, like I only speak English. So I want to learn French. Why French? I'm not sure. I just think it's a pretty cool language to learn. So living in France for a while couldn't be bad. What is it that you like about Malaysia so much that you've declared it your home? Um, well, the weather isn't half bad. Really? Yeah, I like You the, like that you enjoy the humidity? I like the heat. And when it rains and there's like the thunderstorms and you're inside and it's... Like my dogs, I have loads of dogs. So they get scared during the thunder and they come on to like the sofa or my bed or wherever I am and I just get to hug them and it's so nice. That's actually a very nice image. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. It's great. I, I just like it here. People are nice as well, generally. Yeah, you keep yeah. saying a lot of Malaysians are nice. Yeah. I think there is... I think we have really good hospitality. Yeah. On, it's just people are very welcoming when you come here and they're always willing to help. And sure, sometimes people make jokes about the fact that you can't speak Malay or the fact that you don't understand what some people are saying. But it's in the end, it's all... There's more positives than negatives, in my case, I think. It's great. Ten years, though, like, I expect you to at least pick up some Malay. Mm, I can understand what people say. Really? So I know if someone is talking about me, Wait. which I find amazing. <laughs> What's the... I can be walking down the street. Or, for example, I used to ride at this other stable and all the grooms are like locals right. so they all speak Malay and they would all while I was doing stuff on my horse they would come and bring their chairs and sit outside my stable and just watch me and say stuff it's quite creepy what did he say? I'm not sure I just know that they're talking about me which is good enough and I can't remember what it was but they said something and I kind of answered the question before the other guy could and they all ran away it was brilliant <laughs> It was so good. I understand Malay. Do you understand that? Like, do you know Chinese? Oh God, not at all. Not at all. It's like, Chinese people, they just talk so fast as well. That's true. It's... Guilty as charged. It's all like so punctual and the words, so many words sound very similar. Yeah. I just don't understand how you write it either. It's okay. I, I don't understand it too. I can't. I can't, my Chinese is horrible. I can't really write. Can't really speak. 
don't even know why I call myself Chinese sometimes. Well, yeah. Maybe it's the same as me. I don't know why I call myself British. So it's fine. Have you ever encountered any cultural misunderstandings? By which? Any, I mean, I would say like probably in, well, you didn't really grow up in Oman. And I guess in Holland, it's, they'll probably see you as just one of them. Yeah. But in Malaysia, has there ever been any, you know, has anyone ever offended you? Has there been any misunderstandings between people in terms of culture? Yeah, I mean, anything derogatory is quite offensive. Like, a lot of people here, they call white people matzales. Yes. Which I think is horrible. It's horrible to call someone that. Like, it's just not a nice thing to say. Like, you wouldn't call a black person the n-word like it's just no, not it's no. the same do you still get that yeah all the time as a but it's usually as a joke right some people no 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 but there's also unfortunately i mean i think the media hasn't helped but there's this aura of white girls and the fact that they're easy in the sense like it's easy to ask them out and go on dates with them so um yeah, it's that I found hard. Like people seem, and I did. I dated a, a local guy for a while, right. and I the whole time I was with him, I just felt like I was being judged, just because of the like color you're of my when skin. you're on, like when you're on the streets walking. Yeah. People I know, it's absolutely fine, but other yeah. people, it's not. I mean, I don't let it bother me, but I just think it's a shame that people are like that. Really. Yeah. All these things um, cumulatively. Yeah. Has it defined your identity? Um, I try not to say define because I think everybody is their own person and it's not necessarily, everything is a choice. Like you may be raised in a bad situation, but you don't have to be a bad person, if that makes sense. So I think it's, I honestly think it's helped me become the person that I am rather than made me the person that I am. Because I don't see colour, I don't pay attention to where people are from, I don't judge people based on where they're from. see everyone as a human being. Everyone is equal until proven otherwise, if that makes sense. It's just, yeah, I think it's a better way to live your life. (laughs) Surprise! So this episode, we are trying out something a little different. Since we have two guests, we decided why not have two hosts? Switching things up, producer Aswan has always been in the backseat, playing the most important role of all in Talking Strangers, producing this podcast. But this time around, we decided to let him take the mic and play host for this episode as well. In part two, he sits down with Avani, who accounts her younger years growing up in one of the world's most conservative countries, and during her teenage years, adapting to a more non-conservative setting. So, where have you lived so far in your life right now? Well, I was born in India, and... A few months after I was born, um, I moved to Saudi Arabia 
and that is where I had been living for the bulk of my life. When I was around 17 or 18, my parents sent me off to an all-girls boarding school in the UK in order to prepare me for university until I graduated. And now I am currently at my second year at Taylor's. And by this January, I will be transferring to the States for two years. Wow, that's quite an electric list. So let me see. First, India, Saudi Arabia, London, Malaysia, soon to be the US of A. Yes. That's like one, two, three, four, five, five countries. So how long were you actually living in India again? Months, is it? Um, well, I, I lived there for only three months. And then I, then I went to Saudi Arabia. So you mainly lived the bulk of your life in Saudi Arabia. Yes. How was that like? I mean, you spent your entire childhood there. How was, your, how was childhood going in Saudi Arabia like? Well, um, I didn't really get much freedom over there because, you know, Saudi Arabia is a very conservative country and, you know, there are lots of women. I mean, there are lots of rules, especially for women. Like, women can't drive. We have to cover up all that. Did you have to cover up? I mean, I expect that expats and locals would live sort of differently, wouldn't you say? Well, not really, but we do have like a few, we do, but us expats do have like, do have to like abide to more rules than the locals. More rules such as, I mean, did you have to go full covering when you go out? Like, you have to have a male escort and everything? Um, well, that applies for the locals as well, so yes. Oh, so... Did your father bring you around or do you have yeah. a bodyguard? Well, for the most part, my father used to... My father drives me around, but when I used to study in Saudi Arabia, I used to have a driver who would drive me from home to school and vice versa. How was school there? Did, did they, was it a mix of expats and locals or is it a school entirely of expats? Good question. The first school I studied in was an Indian school, so you, could get, you can guess it's mostly Indian students. But the second school I went to was a British international school where, where there were students um, coming from at least 60 different countries and the teachers were mostly British. So I was exposed to more cultures in my second school when I was in Saudi Arabia. What kind of cultures did you actually mix around with? Did you mix around more with the expats or the locals or mix up between two? Well, the thing is, um, most of my friends were expats because the locals don't really like mingling with the with the expats, and so that's why I can't really get along with the locals as well as the expats. Any interesting stories with the natives? I mean, there were still locals that you had to interact with. How was it interacting with the Saudis there? Well, I feel the Saudis were too brash. <laughs> it's funny. It's, I mean, it's funny. It's just funny. I mean, too brash, too loud. That's literally the stereotype of Saudi Arabia. I mean, do you have any personal stories about how something like this happening that maybe they were speaking too loud to you or anything like that? No, not really. I just felt that um, actually um, most of the troublemakers in my class were, were the local students. <laughs> I felt, I'm sorry if this sounds racist, but it somehow didn't surprise me. But um, what about outside school? Did the how did you interact with the locals when you're outside school? I mean, I'm assuming that you're with your father. So how did they treat you? 
well, for starters, I I didn't really have many friends outside school. I grew up a very sheltered life. So for me, life was either home or school. You didn't hang out after school? Um, hardly. Hardly. So it's basically school, home, school, home, and pretty much it. Mm-hmm. What yeah. about traveling around Saudi Arabia? Did you travel around with your family? visiting any sites and places? We didn't really travel much around Saudi Arabia because, um, I mean, yes, we we used, to go around, we used to go around a lot in my hometown, but we never really ventured within. I mean, we, really, we didn't really venture outside my hometown that often. All right. So that's Saudi Arabia in a nutshell. You didn't really hang out mostly with the locals, so your culture was pretty much insular with the expats, right? Yes. All right. So was this useful when, say, you said you were 17 or 16 when you moved to the UK for boarding school? Yes. So did this help you when you transitioned from the Saudi culture to the UK culture? Because I'm assuming that you had lots of expat friends, maybe some of them British school and all. So did it help you when you went to the UK? When I went to the UK, um, I was faced with a lot of, I, ha- I experienced a lot of culture shock because the UK wasn't really what I expected it to be because, you know, Saudi Arabia and UK are two different extremes. Saudi Arabia is extremely conservative, whereas the UK is extremely liberal. What kind of culture shock did you experience? I mean, because you said you were insular in Saudi Arabia already, so how is it a culture shock? How is the expat community culture different from the actual UK culture? It's just the it's just the amount of freedom that you can get over there. Because, you know, there are there are things in the UK which are not really allowed in Saudi Arabia, like, you know, drinking and gay bars and all that. And also there was of course there was um, the issue with the with the climate change. I mean um You mean freezing your butt off pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Saudi Arabia is a desert, whereas the UK is pretty much freezing most of the time. So it's more than a culture shock, it's also a climate shock, as you will. Going from hot to ice in, what, less than 24 hours? Yeah. So, how did, compared to Saudi Arabia, when you're mixing around with the expats and locals and all, how did the UK people treat you over there? How did your peers treat you? Um... Well, initially they saw me as a stereotype because because um, because you know when I told them that I that I had come from Saudi Arabia, they assumed that they initially assumed that you know I was one of the stereotypical Muslims that that are portrayed in the media when when um, in reality I actually come from a Hindu family. They thought you were Muslim. A stereotypical Arab. Muslim, but I actually come from a Hindu family. So how did that initial? meeting went about? Did they ask you weird questions or anything? Yes, a lot. Like for instance, one of my classmates asked me if I believe that girls should be educated. Clearly, if I do not believe that girls should be educated, <laughs> I would not even be at school. Any other stereotypical stories like that? Because from my experience, I also had the same thing when I was in the US. As a Muslim, they asked me some of the most ridiculous questions, which unfortunately I cannot repeat in this show right now. So, Education Girls was one of yours. Any other? Um, well, they, my classmates were shocked whenever, 
whenever they used to see me eating pork or drinking wine or whatever. So, and they also used to ask me questions like, why aren't you wearing the headscarf and all that? Did you, did you eventually tell them you were Hindu and not Muslim? Uh, no. So you, they, all this time they thought you were Muslim? Pretty much. <laughs> Was that a conscious choice or you just couldn't be bothered explaining it to them? Well, they didn't really ask about my religion, so oh. I didn't really like tell them. And plus, I didn't really talk to the girls at my school very much. I was, I was a loner, and and I was, and most of the time I used to spend, and mo I used to spend most of my time like locked up in my room. So yeah. So you didn't have much of a social life that day. You didn't have that many friends, or you didn't hang out with them. No extracurricular activities or so. Well, during my first year, it was like that. Uh, but in my second year, I started to open up more to the other girls. Did they accept it back or did they just treat you just as the same as before? Um, well, it was like a mix. Um, most of the girls, um, most of the girls um, started accepting me for who I am. They, they, they saw that I wasn't whom they imagined. They, they saw that I wasn't whom they had imagined me to be. So. That's your school life in general. You mostly hang out with the UK people, or is it a mix of different cultures and blends? Um, it's a mix. It's a mixture of different cultures and blends. Did it? Did you mix around with a certain type of nationality, or just mix around with everyone, or you're pretty much a loner kid, just only a few friends? Um, I used to mix around with um, a lot of with a lot of different nationalities, like um. Most of my friends there were, were short-term students who had come in from different from different countries, such as um, such as um, such as Spain, Japan, Germany, France, etc. Were there any Arabs? <laughs> um, not many. But then again, th those were British Arabs. So Quite they, different. So of course, they were a lot more broad-minded than the Arabs in Saudi Arabia. Okay, so what about outside of school, UK as a general? Did you travel around the UK? Did you interact with the local people there? Any thing that kind of is out of the ordinary? Did they treat you differently? Did they treat you the same? Because UK is a bit of a international country where you can get almost anyone there. How did they treat you? Or how, what did you feel of them? Treat me any differently from any of the locals. Was it a shock that you spent all your life with your parents in Saudi Arabia, suddenly to be in the UK, where you have all this freedom in one go? Pretty much, but in the end, I began to enjoy it. <laughs> did you take advantage? Did you take advantage of the freedoms you were allowed? Uh, pretty much. Because I turned into a rebel when I was at boarding school. What What do you mean by rebel? Like shaved head punk style or? <laughs> Not really. Um, like of course I used to break all I used to break many all the all the rules in my school. Wow, that's uh, that's kind of surprising actually. So this went on for how long? Well, and did like, you get in trouble for it? Um, like not any like. I didn't really get in any serious trouble. 
unlike some of the other girls who I used to live with? Well, that's one way to look at it. So, you stayed in the boarding school for how long exactly? Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yes. So after that, where did you go? Malaysia, is it? Yes, I came here. So, what was your initial reaction to Malaysia? You've been to Saudi, which is probably the most conservative of conservative countries. You've been to UK, which is extremely liberal. Now you're in Malaysia, which is something in between. How did that felt like? Well, I didn't really experience much shock, much culture shock when I was over here because, you know, Malaysian, Malaysian culture is strongly influenced by, by Indian culture, so... I mean, there's lots of Indians here, so... I assume that you feel right at home in Malaysia? Yeah, so Malaysia, Malaysia basically feels less foreign to me than the UK. So it's more easy to mix around with the locals and everything's easier to get here? Uh, yeah. How long have you been in Malaysia right now? Um, I am currently finishing my second year in, at Taylor's at the moment. Taylor's University? Yes. Yes, so how do the locals here, the Malays, the Chinese, the Indians, the other people around from all over treat you here? Is it any different from the UK and Saudi Arabia? Yes, it's certainly different from, from Saudi Arabia because, because, you know, I'm, since my ethnicity is Indian, um, the, the locals think I'm one of, the locals think I'm also Malaysian, so they don't really treat me any differently from, from the other locals. Does the British accent kind of make them think of you certain ways? Because you're going to have a slight British accent right there. Not a class UK accent, so did that trigger any things among the locals? Um, well, not really, but many of them say that they have a hard time understanding my accent. I'll be honest, so did I. And I grew up among British people, so... I even had trouble kind of understanding you at first, but that's a bit funny. So, in the end, how do you feel about yourself? I mean, where do you belong? You see yourself as Indian, British, Saudi, Malaysian. I mean, what do you feel that you are? Where do you belong? Or do you belong nowhere? It's hard to say because at the moment, I can't seem to think of a place where I've which I feel I belong to 100%. So at the moment, it's safe to say that I'm a blend of different cultures. If you, had to, if you had to stay, if you had to just pinpoint and stay in one place, where would that be? Good question. I have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. I think that's a great place to end it. I have no idea. But... Um, after I after I um, graduate after I graduate university, I'm planning to um, I'm planning to work in Dubai because my at the moment my parents have property there, and plus it's a much better place in Saudi Arabia, so it's mostly going to be there. So, just to wrap it all off, you're going to the US soon. When was it? At the start of next year, mostly. When are you going to go there? Again? At the start of next year, right? Yes, at the start of next year. So, what are your expectations of the US? Well, it depends on, on the university I will be going to because Sorry? I think it's going to be more like the UK. Anything you want to tell your future self? Because this is recording, so maybe you want to 
put a little message. Just make the most of your stay in the U.S. That's it, I guess. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as Aswan and I enjoyed learning about Rachel and Avani's lives. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, do click the subscribe button below. Also, we know how much you love scrolling through your newsfeed, and what better way to be updated with new Talking Strangers episodes than to like us on Facebook. That's right, we just launched our Facebook page that goes by the same name, Talking Strangers. Show us some love on Facebook as much as you've shown us love here.